This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of law. Hey, everybody, welcome to Elseworlds Exchange. i the name of the show for a second. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Mark Parker. If you don't know this dude, you do know this dude. Like, the fact is, you do, because you're probably a subscriber to one of the many channels that Mike has contributed to, uh, and the illustrious career that he has produced over the last 15 years. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, Sal. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike from Lowbrow Studios, by the way. If you are not familiar with Lowbrow Studios, as I said, you are. You've seen his work everywhere. Adam Ruins Everything. You've seen him on MTV. Uh, If you're a big fan of the El Rey Network, you've definitely seen Explosion Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But more likely, you've seen his stuff on College Humor, Dorkly, uh, and and so forth. Uh, We're going to get into that in a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to say, if you do love his stuff, you've got to check the description below this video and click on Lowbrow Studios' YouTube channel. Uh, It's a font of humor and incredible animation that has been cultivated like a well-forged sword into this implement of humor and awesome. Uh, So check that out in the description uh, at any point during the show, and you will find it, click it, and and subscribe, because it's just a great great channel. I've been subscribed to it since before it was this channel. I think it was like... You had two channels, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I gotta get rid of the old channel with the, yeah. with the raving, <laughs> the raving Care Bears, <laughs> and uh, and move on." Still um, for that audience for that one. I think, yeah. Well, I think we found it, and I think it's gone. But but, but yeah, no. But uh, but check it out. Uh, it's great. So, Mike, thank you so much for being here, dude. Um, thank you. Thanks for the intro. Of course. Yeah. No. That was. Yeah. That was. That was good. That was good stuff. Um, I'm a I'm a consummate professional. But uh, so yeah. Um, I've been watching your stuff for a long time. Uh, it's no secret between you and me, of course. Um, and I and I think every year I tweet like a holiday video of yours from like a hundred years ago. I'm like, hey, watch this. Um, but uh, but let's talk about your career. Let's talk about like where you get started and where 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 it's uh, where it's heading. Um, when you first got started out, um, obviously you weren't making animation. You were like me. You're sitting on the floor watching The Simpsons. And you thought like, but what made you? What took you from like, oh my god this is funny, to, oh my god, I'm gonna do that. Like, I'm gonna make that. Because no, most people don't think, like, I'm gonna hand animate shit. Like, most people are like, I'm gonna write for The Simpsons or be a voice. But you're like, no, I'm gonna make that. We're, we're, take us from, from I wanna do that to I'm gonna actually do that. Like, back in the day, with, like, Flash yeah. and whatnot. It was, um, it was a lot of, like, just perfect timing with stuff. It was around college, um, which was, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, I was in college. And um, my brother and I were writing just like a, a, a massive, we had no idea what anything was. We <laughs> loved the Simpsons and stuff. And I had an idea for a show called College University, which was the first one that we had, first web series that we ended up doing. Um, and it was just the Simpsons in college, like that same sensibility, humor, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just wrote like this massive script. We had no idea how long TV scripts were or anything like that. Yeah. And we're like, well, we have this, like, we'll just make some drawings, I'll make some characters and stuff, and then we'll just, like, mail it to Hollywood and see what happens, you know, like, we had no... No, no yeah. All. So, I, you know, we had written that thing, it was very funny, we thought it was hilarious, um, and then I was at school, and um, I was an art major at school, and 
this program called Macromedia Flash had come out, uh, I think it just, it come out like a few years before and I didn't know about it. And right. then somebody had brought it up and they're like, look at this, it's like animation on your computer and it's pretty easy to pick up. And so I had a student discount. I used my roommate's computer and I just started messing around with it and just making like these quick little shorts, um, just mess, just like teaching myself the software. And then I was like, I'm going to make college university. I'm going to take this math script, chop it up into little pieces and just make it and just learn as I go. And so that was really the start of it um, where we were, we had like a crappy microphone. <laughs> um, I ended up my senior year at UConn. I, um, there was an independent study course and my illustration professor let me animate the first two episodes as part of that course. So I ended up getting like college credit and a bit of guidance in terms of like, you know, illustration and things like that, um, that I could apply towards the, uh, towards the shorts. So we did the first two episodes and then again, perfect timing right around that time, Newgrounds and there was a website called Icebox, um, came out and those showcased flash animation. It was like the, the, the files that you can export from that, called Shockwave file Swifts were relatively small at that time. Yeah. Um, and you can post those and, you know, people would tune into those and like watch and you can build an audience and stuff like that. And then once, like once we got up to that point where we were posting stuff and people were actually watching the dumb stuff that we made, it was like a drug of yeah. like, these people are reacting to the stupid stuff that I'm making in this dorm room <laughs> with my friends yeah. doing voices and so, like, now it's, like, out there in an audience, and, like, now we have a fan base. And then from there, I mean, I was already hooked on, like, creating stuff and writing stuff anyway, but, like, actually having that audience, um, I couldn't stop, like, working on it. So, yeah. Um, after that, like, I think I managed to do the first, I don't know, like, three or four episodes while I was still at school. And then um, I graduated and I was still just making the cartoon like at home um, at my parents' house. And then I got a job and I was just like doing it at work or doing it after, <laughs> after work until like two or three in the morning or whatever for nothing, you know, for there's just like, I'm just like, it's super fun to do and I just love it. And I had no plan other than like, you know, every four or five months when I finish an episode, I get to post it and people seem to like it. Yeah. Um, but then from there, other people, you know, Newgrounds was was pretty popular at the time. Yeah. And um, internet, like, comedy or just content on the internet started to become a bit more popular as well. Yeah. So um, after a few years of doing that, um, I had met Sam Reich from College Humor. He had just started working at College Humor, and he was starting, like, the originals um, section of their website. He was kind of revamping the whole thing. And he had seen College University at some point somewhere and um, asked us, asked me to, you know, do some animation for them and then eventually create, you know, do we want to create a new series? Or I, I think the first thing actually was like that he wanted to put College University on College Humor. Gotcha. It seemed like a normal fit. Yeah. But then um, at that point, I, I was, we were kind of like petering out from doing that when I had been doing it for six years or seven years at that point. Yeah. Um, and the episodes were just getting longer and they were... <laughs> the animation was getting better, but it was just like, we were just like, 
you know, it's like a seven minute episode. I'm like, guys, I, I can't do It's like taking forever for me to do this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I had said like, well, maybe we can make a new series for you guys. That's not really college based. And just, you know, it's time to try something new for us. So that's when we pitched a bunch of stuff. And that's when, um, came up with the idea for clock suckers, <laughs> which was the time traveling one. Yep. Um, so they loved it. And then I was like, and I was actually going to have like a budget for it, which was the first time of really having like a new series with a budget and I can kind of start fresh. Yeah. And, um, so we did, I think I did the first episode or we started doing it and I was like, I'm going to quit my job and just try to do this full time now. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask like, were you still working during that time? Like the yeah. entire time, was it the same job or did you have multiple jobs and what kind it of jobs? Same. It was actually, um, my first job right out of school, it was, I was a package designer, um, which is actually like right down the street from where we are now. I'm in <laughs> South Norwalk. Rock. Um, but uh, it was an awesome job, uh, like in its own right. Yeah, right. I was literally the first day at that job, I was helping design logos and insignias and stuff for Rolling Rock uh, beer packaging. So I was like, well, this is fucking great. Yeah. I can't really complain. But it was an animation, so I was still just like, yeah, I kind of like, you know, right. want to do animation. Yeah. So, you hear stories about, like, it's like I'm flipping burgers, and I'm just think, dreaming about Hollywood, and you're like, oh, I, got to, I get to design these really dope logos and use my skill set, but I could do better. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. And so then we did uh, Clocksuckers, and um, that's I, I had quit my job, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Holly, um, she had recently quit her job. So it was both of us like in this tiny smelly apartment, <laughs> you know, she's a photographer and I'm an animator. So both, both just like sitting at our desk working like a million hours a day. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Like it was what we wanted to do. She was working at like an office job, um, at time Warner and it was in its own right, super fun for her because like the people there were really fun, Yeah. but it wasn't what she wanted to do either. So it was like, um, it was it was very helpful for both of us to be like chasing our dream at the same time as yeah. very motivating and we still do the same thing now we still work crazy hours and you know we're still doing like what we really want to be doing yeah um but it just the the my our like my trajectory from there was just sort of the same thing where you know we're just we're cranking out animation um and you know writing stuff and then um getting more exposure. That was like the big thing. College humor grew fast. Yeah. And the exposure we got from that led to people outside of uh, the internet kind of picking up our stuff for the first time and just seeing what we're making. Yeah. Um, and that led to being able to do a short for Nickelodeon, uh, getting into their shorts program at the time. I think it was called like Open Mic. Um, an executive there had seen Blocksuckers and some other stuff and asked us to like pitch and submit to this program and we ended up getting in and we got to make uh, a show called the neighborhood which the pilot episode was is on our youtube channel um so that was insanely fun to go from like making stuff in your dorm and in your apartment to going out to la and like meeting we had will friedel and diedrich bader as the voices of the characters and like meeting them and directing them in a recording session it was just like crazy surreal yeah and like going around nickelodeon studios and like seeing like you know all the crazy artwork and like previous shows and stuff um so that was like a dream come true and like a huge learning experience um and then it just kept like 
kind of leveling up a little bit from there. Right. You know, eventually we got more and more client work, um, doing stuff from like outside of College Humor for other websites. And um, it got to the point where we opened up Lowbrow. That was, I don't even know, honestly, like seven years ago. I'm mm -hmm. kind of bad with dates aside from like <laughs> major life events, I guess. And not that this one isn't, but I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like I've been doing it forever. So yeah. Um, so then we opened up the studio and, um, you know, we, we had sold a show to Disney and we were in, pr in uh, production with them for like two and a half years. Yeah. Um, which again was like a huge learning experience. It's like next level type stuff. Yeah. I can imagine that like you produce a show for Nickelodeon, you were developing a show for Disney can you talk a little bit about like the difference between those two studios or at least the, the environment that it was for you, like working in like kind of the similar field, but like making two different shows? Yeah. So like Nickelodeon, it was a little bit different with Nickelodeon because it was very much like, here's a budget. We're going to let you just do this and like check in with us when you're done with like storyboards to make sure that you're in the right direction cool. and animation and animatics and stuff like that. Um, so that one was like, it was, it was the big leagues, but it wasn't like you're um, you're officially like a part of it. You're sort of like, okay, go ahead and animate this, and then come back to us. Right, prove it. Like set, right? Yeah. But with Disney, um, we had teamed up with um, another writer and a um, a story artist, and um, those guys were awesome. It was Dave Tennant and uh, Nate Cash. Um, we were working with, and they're in LA, so they were sort of like the uh, faces of the project um and we were part you know we're in connecticut so we're checking in email and phone and stuff like that pretty much like every other day or once a week yeah um but when we would go out there and like kind of break down the story and like go through all the storyboards and stuff like that like those two guys are pros and that was the big difference in um our learning experience for that whole process was just like these guys like Dave had written for a ton of shows. He had written on South Park, I think, for a couple episodes and Scrubs for a long time. <laughs> and just like a ton of shows. He was I think at the time he was working he was a writer for um Uncle Grandpa. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and uh um and then Nate was a uh storyboard artist, I think an Emmy winning storyboard artist for SpongeBob for a long time. So it's wow. like, you know, those like to to be able to like hang out with those guys and like learn from those guys was a massive experience. Yeah. It sounds like a kind of like an internship almost. I mean, you, you're doing, a, you're doing on the job work. Like you're really, yeah, yeah. You're, you've already made it. Like at this point, like if they're, if Disney's calling you, you're, you're a professional, but at the same time, like I can imagine, you know, being like, I mean, you, you were an art student, you make these shows, but it was all kind of self-taught. Yeah. And then you get to hear, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And then you're just like taking notes while he's like talking about how he's designing your storyboards, and you're like, yeah, oh, oh, that's what you do. Like, <laughs> of course, I mean, that's exactly what you do. Yeah, right, no, right. that's like, exactly right. Because it was, you know, you get that uh, imposter syndrome where yeah. you feel like you're not really supposed to be there yet. Mm -hmm. And um, but then, like, when you're actually contributing, and you know, you're doing a an act of the the pilot, and you're boarding that out or you're writing a draft, or you're making revisions, and, like, everyone else on the team is like, these are great, you know, things are good, things are, uh, things are looking good. Yeah. And then you start to feel like, all right, this is, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot as well, and, like, that confidence is a huge part of it. So, yeah. um, 
while it didn't end up, you know, doing anything, we got to like the uh, storyboard pitch phase, which was crazy and fun. Um, it it uh, it kind of petered out from there, um, and then they, they ended up passing on it. So that part stunk, of course, because we put so much time and effort into it. But sure. at that point, like we had learned so much from it, and uh, you kind of just use that going forward in not only like make when you're making other new shows to pitch or whatever but also like when you get some new client work um you know taking that level of professionalism and like that eye towards storytelling visually all that kind of stuff like that's now in your uh your skill set yeah helps you know just helps our studio out in the long run definitely that's Uh, really cool (laughs) so i mean it's it's been like um it's been like big moments like that over the course of 20 years now yeah um and each one has just sort of leveled up uh our skill set you know each time so it's 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 been been fun i still learn a ton and i still feel like i don't know a whole bunch but like you know yeah it's all part of the process that's that's true um i we we kind of like we breeze through it and i wanted to talk about it just a little bit the uh the, the phenomenon that was newgrounds and where it went, because like there's a lot of people who are watching today who are like, I was not around during that time. Like straight up, don't know what that is. And it's right. like Newgrounds was this thing where it's like if you took YouTube but only for cartoons, yeah. added Reddit, and also like I don't know, oh, oh like a, like a gate, like an like an emulator, so you could play video games as well. It was like all in one. And you just sat there and you just wasted all day on it, just watching cartoons, playing video games, and then complaining about them all. And it's like, like it's this thing that like I can't like we took it for granted because it was just here. It was just like here's new grounds, and you're like right on, yeah. I'm just gonna find and like by the way, like college university was like there were cartoons, and then there was college university, which was like hey, here's this show, a a fucking show, (laughs) like a real show. Um, And like I think the description for new grounds is something to the effect of like it's the Simpsons, like it's the Simpsons of our of our fucking like platform. (laughs) Just just watch it. We know you're already watching it. And, um, but it was this amazing thing that like, it's, 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 it's emblematic of the phenomenon that we have now where it's like, remember when they invented this thing and it was super cool free and had like 16 different versatility options. And then like some asshole was like, what if I broke that up into 16 (laughs) individual products and monetized all of them? Cause that's pretty much what happened. Like where it's like, oh, I want to watch a cartoon or a TV show. I can watch YouTube already. There are 25 different streaming platforms that are available. Um, but like that was so bizarre. What a when you think about it, when you look back on, it, you're like, that's a that's a insane platform, and it came about right when you were developing cartoon, like right when you were like, oh, I can make cartoons using this format, and it's like, oh, and there's a platform directly for that. Yeah, like it was it was crazy. I you know, I it's it's weird. I, I forget about Newground sometimes, and how like important that was to uh, for me especially. Um, because like I was saying before, like it just, it helps get our stuff out there and kind of just like be a springboard for, for my career. Um, but the thing, there were so many things that were just like so fun and exciting about Newgrounds in general, like the community and, um, like every week there was just like this competition between like, you know, there's like a, for those who aren't familiar, there's like a ranking system on there where it's like, (laughs) you know, it was like the. The, the portal was like where you uploaded stuff and then 
I forget some of the, the terminology for the other stuff, but there's like a leaderboard, like the most popular thing or like the, you know, the video of the day. Yeah. Things like that. So like when you uploaded your, your short or whatever, and you got video of the day, you're like, fuck yeah, man, this is awesome. <laughs> like people love my stuff. Yeah. And like, that's so reassuring. And it's also for me anyway, like a competitive thing where I'm like, yeah, I like knocked that one off a little bit. Or something. Right. <laughs> you know, and then like a day later you get chipped down again and like somebody else is up top. So then sure. you want to be like, all right, let's go again. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of your, of your ability to get not instant gratification, but like validation from an audience, like an audience being like, we're here, we have like names, they may be Noob Master 69, but there's still names that are saying like, hey, look at my shit, like they're watching my stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that is like when you're creative and you're really putting your shit out there and you get someone back who's like, I'm not related to you and I still like it. And it's like, that that is like a drug, that is kind of addictive. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, the, the other crazy thing about Newgrounds was like all of the other... I'm just like one of the people that it helped set up on a trajectory for animation yeah. or just in a creative field in general or other websites that like, you know, they saw that Flash Animation was doing well on Newgrounds. So like, I'm going to do this, but I'll just make my own website and like put stuff, put my own stuff on there to showcase it. So it really just put like Flash Animation on the map in general yeah, and just like opened up the doors for so many people Um to have a career in animation if it's like in a professional level or like making your own stuff and then selling merch or doing whatever from there. So it was just like, I don't know, like I was saying before, the timing of it is just crazy. Yeah. And, and when you were developing that kind of stuff, like obviously you're thinking, you know, especially from college to real life, you're kind of thinking like, how can I turn this? I mean, even if you're like, there's no way you're a realist and you're like, there's no way you're all, you're also thinking like, how can I turn this into a career? And like back then the tools that are necessary to do that were like t-shirts, you know, like I guess, cause there was no like, I don't know, advertising. There was no like ingrained advertising like you see on YouTube today. So it was like yeah. how, how I, I give you the product for free and then you in good faith come to my website, I guess, and buy my cafe press shirt. Right. Like, cause that's, those are my options like, or leverage those into jobs. Um, yeah. I mean, for Cafe Press, I mean, I made upwards of, like, $80, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, because, like, the margins are are insane. Like, you, you guys had t-shirts, stickers, like, everything you could think of, DVDs of the show. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit if you were... If, if, if you, you know, have anything interesting to say about it? Otherwise, just we'll move on. But, like, um, relating this a little bit to our, to our shit, because it's, like, it's comic-related, you got to go through your success, so to speak, of College University to San Diego Comic-Con one or two times. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that experience and what, like, that was like and why you've never been back? <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't no, know. No. Actually. <laughs> exactly. It, uh, we, we went for three years in a row, and I had learned of, of Comic-Con from Tom Fulp, the guy who started Newgrounds. Yeah. Because um, they, when they, they had been going for a few years before that, and, um, you know, they, when they did it, they were already pretty large and like they had these crazy booths and stuff. And I remember like they would post like tons of photos of them, like setting up their booth and like all the stuff that they would start to build like at the studio. Yeah. And I just loved it. I was like, oh, this is so, so much fun. Um, and so we went, it was me and my brother and Michael William, who's, uh, been my writing partner forever. Um, he's the voice of Sonic. Um, 
and um, we went out there and just got like a table one year, like the first year, whenever that was, 2000. So I don't know. <laughs> I would because I was still working at my regular job then. Right, right. So, like I literally took vacation days to go out to. <laughs> Now, did they did they comp your flight? Because that's really where they get you. <laughs> uh, nothing. It was a, it was. I lost. I spent so much money right for years, and it's impossible unless you're like a massive place. Yeah, with like a table with that sells a ton of stuff. You're gonna just you're going in losing. Oh no! Uh, you know? It's it's that was the case in oh four oh five. That's the case in nineteen twenty. Like. I have never made a dollar at a con ever in my life. I've only been in the hole where I'm like, okay, like for the year you have to build your your finances and go like, well, I'm going to I'm going to this convention. I'm going to lose however many thousand dollars because I need a hotel, I need to fly there or travel. I got to get a booth which is 4 to 5 to 900 dollars. Like forget it. I don't even get the booth. I'm just like, no, I just go. And then I see people at booths and they're like, "Oh, do you have a booth?" I'm like, "Fuck no." And they're like, "You're yeah. Yeah." <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was nuts. And but like, your booth was impressive, by the way, because you guys had you had like cardboard cutouts of the character. Like you guys, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like fake it till you make it. Where you're like, oh no, here's my operation. I got cartoons. I got freaking DVDs, stickers, cardboard cutouts of my characters. Where I'm right next to the big old Newgrounds booth. I got all this shit. Oh, yeah, God. we're good to go. Like yeah, it was that was the I think the second and third year I think we had those those cardboard cutouts. The first year I just had like a big vinyl banner. Yeah. And just like t- some T-shirts and stuff, and zero plan. Like I didn't know what the plan was. Well, how do you that. even know? Like how do you even? Yeah, right, right. How do you even like, plan oh, for that? Like, promote the show, right? And then like put stickers on random passerby, like. <laughs> right. So, by the you know the first year was was fun. I think we it was just like a huge learning experience, and I got to meet a ton of people that you just like email or just like chat with or yeah. whatever. Um, and like also just you know, meet some new people that I'm still in contact with today. Um, during that process too, um, my good friend, Rob Feldman, who did uh, Dr. Shroud, which was another, like we came up around the same exact time and we were both doing Comic-Con and like we had daily chats about like the type of merch to do and stuff. Cause he was just as passionate. He still is as, as, as I was and like super excited about like new merch things or anything like that. Yeah. So we, as it went on, we got more and more like sophisticated with it hence like the, the cardboard cutouts and stuff right i think this, the second year we brought in a couple more people to come with us and um or did we or maybe that was the third year i can't remember honestly um <laughs> and uh that one i think we actually broke even wow we really well with dvds and stuff and like we had a good plan for it and we ended up doing fairly well that's like the minute mile i don't know how you, <laughs> how you managed to do that yeah it was crazy and then the third year, we brought two, so many people, and we were so done with it. By that, <laughs> year. that was the year we were put. We were. It, we thought it'd be good. We were put right next to the Newgrounds booth, which was massive. But like, um, the Newgrounds booth is so popular and big for a good reason that we would just get like dwarfed. Right. Them, and then like we're across from like a movie studios one or something like that, and then yeah. it's just us. It's just like six looking depressed guys. <laughs> With coffee cups with beer in them. <laughs> like, you know, 11 in the morning and we're just exhausted. Uh, and then and there's a certain point, um, my brother and I had taken a, a break and just walked around the, the, the dock or whatever that area was. 
Yeah. We kind of both said at the same time, we're like, this is, we're not doing this anymore, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was good. And then like, I, and then I was away from it for at least six years. And then um, during that time we did Sonic for Hire with Machinima and they had invited us out to be on a panel, uh, me and Michael William. And so that one was like the way to go where they comped our hotel. See, so you figured it out. It's like, okay, yeah. now I'll go. That's fun. <laughs> and it was like the difference between the last year we went and that year was insane. Like, I didn't think it could be any larger, but oh, it yeah. had like, you know, grown in, up into like the city. And yeah. I had just gone in to like the actual convention because before I would just be at the booth all day long. I would never leave that thing. Right. But this time, like, I went in there to go see the Sinai and Happiness guys. And I remember, like, I'm in there for, like, 15 minutes, and I had a fucking panic attack. Yeah. Like, this is a absolute nightmare. So I saw those dudes for two seconds. I'm, like, sweating and pale. I'm, like, I have to go outside. <laughs> and then I went outside, and I was, like, all right, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, our panel thing was, like, uh, that night or whatever. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. We were, like, you know fucking backstage or whatever and you're just like you, yeah the back oh, and you put on your panel and then you get out and that's like, right no there is a back room by the way there's like a back hallway at like at major convention centers like for for the quote-unquote talent they'll <laughs> like they'll usher you through a back room and then you can just duck away yeah. uh, which is I, i've done that a few times and i'm like oh okay yeah like thankfully because i'm not in any way coveted or a celebrity it's like I, I'll just walk. <laughs> it's just, they're like, no, it's it's not for you. It, it's because there's too many fucking people in the way, man. And I'm like, oh, I see. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 That, that humbled me. Thank you. But again, like, um, you know, I, I, I still, part of me, I love that whole culture as right. crazy as it is and stuff, you know, it's so much fun. But like the, the things I would notice was like, we would say like, we got by like the fourth day or whatever of Comic-Con, I got like face sick. Like, I was sick of seeing <laughs> faces coming towards me. Okay, yeah. I was like, I can't look at people. This is like, I'm That's, getting, like, sick. Aside yeah. from, like, being in the AC and, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Just sort of, like, everybody's a little sick and, like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's a little sick. And... Yeah. And, like, one of the, the yeah. pictures of the, I think it was that last year, I'd gone, you know how there's just, like, lines for yeah. anything. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It was, it was, like, out of, like, a fucking sitcom or something i'm just walking past people trying to work my way through and there's a line next to me yeah and there's people towards the end of the line and these two people they don't know each other one of the guys goes he gets in line and then he's like what's this a line for i'm like you don't even fucking know what you're getting in line for that's so second nature to me like not doing it but hearing that like every <laughs> single time to the point where like i'll be in a line and people come up to me and be like what is this line for I, and yeah. then they'll weigh, like, it's great when they, like, look at you when you say, like, I don't know, like, a comic creator or a celebrity that, like, they don't know. Yeah. And they look at you like, ugh. Like, I wasted their time. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? You were about to jump in this line. <laughs> don't, be, don't pretend you're better than me. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Although I will say, uh, okay, so I brought my, uh, the guys that I work with um, are not comic fans. Um, and so, and I make them hear about comics every week, which is fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I make them go to New York Comic Con, which is like San Diego, but worse because it's in the Javits, which is the worst convention center designed by man. <laughs> and it's always under construction. And I love that they, like, they literally, they're, they're like working on in air quotes, a uh, like a wing that they had originally relegated to like being a, a basically a, a cattle farm, 
And then they were like, oh, it's closed. So it's like, oh, that's a place where I could cram 3,000 people, and now I literally not have any place for them. Um, and we're in the basement where they put the celebrities in the celebrity zoo. And there's this line that goes from the one end of the wall <clears throat> to the other end of the Javits up the fucking escalator. And my buddy Ethan just looks at it and he goes, what is this line for? And he couldn't let it go. And he's like walking around the floor. He's like, what is this line for? I go, just ask them like every asshole asks us. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So he's just walking around. He's walking down the line. I lose him for 20 minutes. And I find him. And he finally figures out. He looks at me. He goes, it's for the green fucking ranger, Sal. This is the line for the Green Ranger. Who cares? And I'm like, oh, Jason David Frank's a big deal, man. I don't know if you know this. And he's like, how do you know his name? <laughs> I'm like, you have to know his name, man. He's that's the Green Ranger. That that's so great. That but level like, of like confusion and frustration. He was so mad. That's <laughs> the Green. He was like, I thought it was like you know someone important. And I'm like, the Green Ranger is clearly important, Ethan. If you're measuring it on human souls, that is. A big deal. And he's like, yeah, no. No, I have to leave. Like, he left, like, yeah. 20 minutes after that. <laughs> it's 11 in the morning. He's like, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the bus for an hour and go home. Fuck this. Um, but, uh, so, you, so, having worked with, uh, with, with Disney and with Nickelodeon and going over there, going to the West Coast, and working constantly with people on, you know, on, other, on another coast, like, you're a Connecticut dude. Like, you've, you've set up your base operations in Connecticut. Is, have you had any, like, desire or has there been much pressure uh, to go west? Because I know that, like, every time I work with, like, anyone from the west, they're like, oh, you, you local? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh. And they look at me like, oh, like, oh that's too bad. Like, because we're never going to work together. And I'm like, I could just fly. It's only seven hours. Like, And they're like, seven hours? It might as well be two years. Screw it. Yeah. Uh, but, like, do you get a lot? Do you get it? Do you feel that pressure? And you kind of go, like, is it? Is it like M. Night Shyamalan? We're like, no, I'm, I'm going to be in Pennsylvania, motherfucker. Or is it like, no, I mean, like, it really, like, with animation, it doesn't really matter. Like, as long as they get it in on time, it's an email, they don't care. Yeah, it's a bit of, mul- bit of both. Um, there's definitely, like, early on, there was definitely a, more of a desire to, like, try and get out west and um, set up shop there. Um, but it was just, like, sort of the, the way everything happened a bit organically, where I was like, you know, it was time to, to start a studio. And then I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to, I can't just pick up and move and like uh, set up shop now. It's like a little too late. Like I got a, I have clients still happening. Right. And contracts still out and stuff like that. So we found like cheap space here. And then um, for me too, like the way I work, I definitely get like tunnel vision. So I'll look up and it's been like four years. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I can probably think about this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit different. I mean, like my wife and I are settled here for now. With, you know, we have a house and stuff, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but, like, our size and the, the talent that we have in-house here, like, it, it works great for us. And it's so easy now to work with um, freelance artists and contractors from literally all over the world yeah. um, to, to, to work on projects and stuff. The part where it gets tricky is, like, if you need, if you need somebody who's... Um, like of a specific skill set, like a, you know, a line producer or something like that for a project that might come up where you're like, well, we might need an- another producer here. Right. It's pretty difficult to find somebody that's in Connecticut that has that experience. Yeah. And in New York, you can find somebody in New York too, but it's still a little bit difficult um, for me anyway. Hmm. So, you know, if we were in LA, if we were in um, like in the Austin area or Georgia, um, that's, that's definitely easier because there's, larger bases of studios there and a lot more talent to kind of uh, 
to to work with there uh, locally. Yeah. So it gets a little tricky um, for sure, uh, but I think f- where we're at right now, like it's it's working pretty well for us. For us, if if we get to the point where we have to expand rapidly, and um, there just isn't you know the the source of talent pool here. Um, then you know we'd have to consider doing something else. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it 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 works for now because like we sort of ex- the way we work when we work on larger projects. You know, we have a a pretty large list of of uh, animators and background artists and character designers that we work with all the time, and they're all over the place. You know, in the Philippines and Canada and uh, India um, and plenty in the U.S. Um, on you know anywhere, either coast, you know, up down wherever. Yeah. So. With like, with all the different tools that we have, and that we just implement here, which is keeping track of stuff and keeping in communication with everybody, like it kind of makes it a little bit irrelevant. It's definitely easier when everybody's in house, for sure. Um, but you know, it, uh, it it works for us for now, so there's not that huge pressure. Good. Um, you have a team. How how did you develop this team and 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 make it what it is today? Because you have a team of like what six, including you, yes. or more. Six, six of us, um, and then usually during the summers I'll have one or two interns in house. Um, so right now there's six of us, um, and uh, Michael William, who I was saying before, my writing partner, he's um, like a production assistant here. Um, he does, he's learning how to animate like slowly over time, but he's he's he helps obviously with with writing when anything that we're doing in house, yeah, acting and um, production pre-production work which is like making sure we have all the backgrounds and characters set up and files and like ready for the animators to go that kind of thing yeah breaking down shots and like you know there's certain information that we need from each shot for the animators as well so it's a lot of things like that um alex who's been working with me for over a decade now um alex was from alex is from connecticut so everybody's from everybody's local here yeah like like find them and work with them for long enough so Alex, when Alex started, he was an intern with me, literally coming to my apartment uh, like once a day. And I would, this was before I had a budget, I would pay him in Robex juices. <laughs> you know, they're like a Jamba juice. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very professional. And eventually I was able to pay him with U.S. currency. Oh. <laughs> Which was a step up. But Alex does all the animation work for Dorkly. Oh, wow. Um, so he's like a pixel master. Um cool. And um, so he's been working with me forever. And like, I would kind of show him this because early on with Dorkly, I would do the animation for it. And so I was still learning a bit about pixel animation and flash. And I would, I kind of just taught him what I knew. And then like, as it went on, like he's now just, he does it. It's, it's like he's working on in his own little division of lowbrow. Right. Just pixels. That's cool. Manager. Um, she's been working with us for three years now. Three? And she does everything that, um, in regards to like setting up projects and making sure everything's on time, and uh, doing some of the stuff that Michael William does too, like setting up files and uh, it's a bit of everything. Um, then we have Travis Cataldo, who is our he's an animator and director here. He does, he's like a what's important at Lowbrow is like you know how to do a little bit of everything, right? Um, especially with a small staff. But <clears throat> Travis is like super versatile and picks up stuff real quick. Um, so it's it's great having somebody like him around where you can be like, can you just, you're like, I need a hand with this. And he's like, yep, I got it. And he just gets it. And he knows exactly what he's doing. That's awesome. 
Um, and then there's uh, Austin McDonald, who's who's new here. He's been for about a year and a half now. Uh, he's from UConn as well. Um, and uh, he's a production artist and animator. And it's great having him around. Um, he brings a, a very different style. His natural style is very unique and, and fun. I love it. Um, he When he started working here, I had him art direct a, a short that we were doing uh, that we're pitching and we produced um, called Kooky the Kookagen. And um, yeah. uh, his style like is that show. So it's great like having just something very different from what we normally do. Right. Uh, and he's, he can jump in in production and animation and stuff like that as well. Um, and then there's me. <laughs> and then our interns, um, depending on their skill set and stuff, we have, we, I, I, I like to have, like in a learning environment for an intern, like just get having an intern and having them go get coffee is like pointless. Yeah. So like we try to throw them right into the fire and like teach them stuff as they're working. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully that like that they, they're able to learn on the job that way. Right. Um, so it's good. Like we, you know, we've been um slowly growing over the years and stuff. And then like, just depending on this, like I was saying before, depending on the style of a project, you know, we have like small teams of animators, uh, individual animators and stuff. And like, we're very familiar with their own skill sets and what they're good at and what, you know, I would prefer to have them. Some of them are better at timing, some of them are better at action scenes, some right. better at facial acting, things like that. Like you all take that into account yeah. uh, when you're assigning a project out. So it's like over the years, we've had like a really good, we've had a lot of time to build like this sort of refined team. Um, and then every once in a while, there's like a project is bigger than the the talent pool that you have so you get to branch out a little bit more and find some new people some work some don't and um yeah that's that's how we've been doing it for the past uh, 10 years yeah um let me ask you this in in regards to that how many projects do you usually have like going at one time or is it kind of like it's all over the place you never know yeah it's it's weird it's a little all over the place we're slow right now um for sure but like at our peak i mean we have any anywhere from like two dozen to you know upwards of 30 projects like and it's just depending on like because it's a lot of like little projects or like series that the episodes are stacked so or the production is stacked so you're working on like two or three episodes at a time and each one of those episodes has like different parts of production so like episode one you might already be in animation phase on and then episode Two, like you might be doing animatics for it. Right. Episode three, you might be doing character design and background design. So, like all that stuff, it's a it's a ton to keep track of. Um, so we have a good system to like you know write shit down and like you know we have different websites and stuff that we use to help track all that stuff. Um, so it that that's where it like gets pretty hectic. And then like a lot of times when it's really busy like that, a lot of times what I'm doing is like giving notes and directing and um being quality control and stuff before it goes out to the client, um, things like that. So that's where it's good why everybody has like their own, um, you know, like a, a, they can all wear different hats because one day you might need to direct the short, one day you might need to like make sure a character's rigged po- properly or something like that. And yeah. Very different skill sets to have, but it's stuff that we do like, you know, from hour to hour here. Right. Uh, what would you say was one of the hardest projects that you guys have gotten? Um, it was, there was, um, oh man, one of the harder ones was last year was, um, Humankind of for Facebook Watch. 
Mm. Um, we had been, it was, a, I love this series. It was super unique. Um, it's still, it should still be on Facebook watch, but we did, uh, 15 episodes that were like 10 minutes long or so. Wow. And the schedule was crazy. That was the hardest part was just the schedule. Yeah. Um, but on top of that was we're a flash animation studio primarily. Uh, this project with Toon Boom, which is awesome, but it's just much more complex and like you can do a lot more. You need to know a lot more about the project. Or yeah. So that was sort of like double like a double edged sword a bit. Um, but the project grew after production had already started, and the schedule kept having to shift a bit, and we were missing a lot of internal deadlines and stuff. Mm. But it was just, that one was difficult just for the sheer amount of work that needed to be done in that time. Yeah. So there was like a period where I, I had a couple different periods where I had worked, I think, like 36 straight hours, and I was <sighs> sleeping at the studio. Yeah. And um, so that was like really difficult uh, just in terms of that. And then, um, but we ended up getting nominated for an Annie Award for that. So that was like pretty pretty fun it was for production as well which was like what we were doing yeah so that was like a little a little bit validating so that one in the long run like uh i would definitely like plan better for that or like build in some stuff to it so that we don't have to work as crazy like that but yeah. um having that like people notice like oh the production was really nice on that <laughs> was a little bit validating so sure kind of offense to blow a little bit um one of the harder ones was um adam ruins everything uh, a few seasons ago, they had done a fully animated episode, or we had done it. And again, that was in Toon Boom. Um, and the final product looked great, but like the that that one was really difficult. The schedule was tough on that as well. Um, but the notes process was really tough. Hmm. Uh, for those who are not familiar, notes are like the kind of notes that come up from from on high, like change this, do that, I don't like this, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So what uh so what kind of notes were you getting that were like making it, like it difficult? The, the sheer amount of notes. So there's like um when we when we were doing Adam Rune's everything, it's it was one of the most fun shows to work on because every episode, every script, there's maybe like one or two animated segments in it, and like it can vary from like one is Scooby Doo and one is like, you know, stop motion or something like that. And like yeah. you kinda of have to like learn how to do all that stuff and like make sure that it looks exactly how it should look. Right. Um, and that's a super fun challenge to have. Um, but Adam is super particular. It's his show. It's his baby. So you expect it. And he's a very like specific and um, a very specific person. And it wants things to be just right. Um, so it made the, it made the notes process difficult because the, the normal process for animation, like you want to have, by the time you get to what's called the animatic, which is just like a rough, it's like a storyboard that's put to the audio. So like the timing is set. Like once you get to that point, the timing is what we call it's like locked. Right. And any changes after that, you can still do, but they're a pain in the ass to do. Mm -hmm. um, the way Adam Rune's everything worked was that um, like he, he was doing everything for the show. So notes, we were getting notes after animation had already begun, like we had our animation to schedule. Sure. So, um, you know, we're getting notes in late and they're, they, they, some notes had like a ripple effect where they're like, you know, like we can do that, but that affects like seven other shots. So we <laughs> do that as well. Right. Um, and that's not common, but like still it's, you have to account for that in the schedule and in your work hours and all that kind of stuff. 
and in the budget. So that was like a, a lot of, you know, we were getting during like the third or fourth animation pass, we're still having, we're still getting like nine pages of notes. Um, and, you know, you have maybe three days to turn that around um, so that the production on in the West Coast can keep their schedule. Right. So you're like, shit. <laughs> what am I possibly supposed to do for this? So um, that one was really just tough for the schedule and for the amount of notes and stuff and just making sure that it, you know, uh, that everybody was like, you want the, you want them to be thrilled with the final result. Yeah. And so like, as shitty as like working those crazy hours might be like, you know, I'm a responsible production company. Like I want to do that and make it, make it right. Yeah. So, uh, that one was tough and it was also tough too, because right when the production was slated to end, um, I was, I, we had a, uh, family vacation with my wife's in-laws we do every year. So I had to like cancel out on I think the first two and a half days of that vacation mm. to uh, to make the, <laughs> the deadline. Yeah, and I think it was I think it was so the um, this is a, a funny stupid anecdote that <laughs> that came from that was like the so I delayed my flight. Holly's out there already, and um, uh, my flight had got delayed by a couple of days. And my 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 flight was like leaving at 6 a.m. So I had to leave at 4. Yeah. It was in, it was in LaGuardia, which is the airport in New, in New York. And um, I'm, I've worked, you know, a day straight at this point, and I can't drive. I'm, I'm hallucinating, essentially. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I'm just going to get, like, an Uber. But it's, like, 4 a.m., you know, mm. and I just live, like, basically in the suburbs. Um, so I'm <laughs> yeah. like, nobody, nobody's going to be around, really. No. Right? So luckily I, I got it, and there's a car coming close to it. I'm delirious at this point. I just need to get to the airport so I can like sleep. Yeah. So I get in the car and the guy, I don't know. I'm not sure where his accent was from. Like my generic, like funny accent. It's just like a raspy voice, <laughs> but he, he, I get in the car. My fr the first like tip off that I should have been tipped off from is, okay, where are you going? I was like, uh, LaGuardia. Okay. What's that? <laughs> like, oh. How do you not? What? <laughs> no, I was like in a pen. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's the one of the largest airports in this area. I'm like, how do you not know what LaGuardia is? <laughs> and then like, he's like, oh, I got it. I figure it out. And he's just, you know, like slapping it on his phone, GPS and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, we're driving away. And I'm just like longingly looking at my car. I'm like, should I just get out right now? Right. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, just please just put it in your GPS and I just need to get there. So. We go, and I fall asleep before we even hit the highway. Yeah. And I wake up like 10 minutes later, and he's pulling off the highway into a gas station. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I need gas. I got to take a gas. I go, all right, you got to hurry up, man, because it's flight. Like, I can't miss this flight. Yeah. So he goes and runs. He doesn't park at the gas pump. He parks <laughs> by the, the place, like the convenience store. Park. Right. And he runs in, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then I, I fall asleep again. I wake up 10 minutes later, and he's not. You're, you're not yeah. moving oh shit so i'm like what the fuck so i get out right and i've already like canceled his ride yeah I, I had lift on my phone so i got lift instead oh nice and there was one like five minutes away <laughs> so i get out and i head towards the convenience thing and he's running out of the convenience store like, with, he... like four or five like gatorade bottles like, <laughs> like this he's like hustling back to his car uh-huh 
and he runs past me. I go, dude, I canceled the thing. I can't fucking wait this long. He goes, okay, okay. He didn't even stop. <laughs> he just gets in his car with the Gatorades and just goes. Like, I'm like, what? Where are you going? <laughs> I was like, what? Possibly, what was this? What happened? <laughs> what did this turn into? Did so, he rob them? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, did this even happen? Right. And then thankfully, like, you know, two minutes later, this lady comes up in her car and we get there on time. She made awesome time from there. Nice. And I was like, but the, the, I can't, I can't describe how I could physically feel my heart sink when you asked what LaGuardia was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not making this light. <laughs> yeah. So silver lining out of, out of that crazy project and missing half my vacation. That, that was, I still tell that story. It's pretty fucking hilarious. You got to meet this man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to ride in a ghost Uber that doesn't actually exist. Right. That never really happened. <laughs> <laughs> That Uber died five years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. Um, <laughs> I just love the idea that he, like he, this is his thing. He takes he takes rides that are way out of his jurisdiction. He fucking goes. He he tricks you into thinking that he's not going to do it. So you cancel the ride. He goes to convenience stores and he robs them of their Gatorades, which is literally like you know he's just those are his refreshments for the next rides that he's going to be giving. And he's like, no, I I give them the Gatorade. Would you like a Gatorade? I have all these Gatorades in my car. That 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 makes up for the fact that the car smells like vape and that like it sucks. <laughs> and then I don't know where the hell the most major metropolitan airport is. It's a perfect system. I don't know. It's it's a, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we how we had why we had to wait so long for Uber and Lyft because this is a foolproof system, and I've never regretted it ever having used it. It's it's like scary as fuck. Like I I hate Uber and I live in the suburbs myself, and so I never use it unless I'm like on the job, and it is. Yep. It is the worst. Like, you open up the app and it's like ants are crawling over your screen with all these like cars, and they're all just like zigzagging around the same area you are, and you're like, none of these people are going to help me. <laughs> it's just going to be a disaster. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's never been good. It's always been this sucks. And one of my colleagues, Rob from Comics Explained, used to used to like engage them, you know, like in a big bet where he's like, so how long have you been Ubering? Yeah, and I'm like, they don't care, and neither do I, man. Why are you asking? Now we got to talk to them for however long. Like, how far away is this place? Twenty minutes. Uh, that's the best. I know to get an Uber driver that's that's not big on small talk is perfect. That's I, I want. That's all I want from like literally every interaction in my <laughs> life. Like, I just need a barber who hates me, like who just wants to do a good job and just leave me alone. Like, can you just cut my hair and be and just be quiet? Like. Every single interaction, every grocery store, every car I get into is just like, don't talk to me. I'm just, I'm just like living in a perpetual hangover. Just like, please don't bother me. And I don't know why. I'm like, I don't hate people, but apparently I do. So never mind. I think um, it's the Northeast, honestly. It really is, right? It's just like, just get a, get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> my, my parents had moved to Vermont. They live in Vermont now. Nice. And like, that's like, the people up there are much more friendly. Yes. And my dad grew up here. He's like a, he keeps to himself a lot and stuff. He's like a big burly guy and he just doesn't like people knowing about his life and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like <laughs> when he first got up there, he was, he didn't know what to do when people are like making small talk. He thought they were like starting shit with him. <laughs> like, yeah, they're nice. It's called being nice. It's like, How you doing? Like, what does that mean? He gets it now, but like, That's fucking he's awesome. so used to that, you know, this area, this, this sort of like life yeah that when people are friendly like my wife is from uh kentucky and like northern kentucky cincinnati oh. area people there are very friendly and stuff and like 
it's just I'm used to it now, but it's just noticeably different from around here. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, you can't even like hide it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you? <laughs> this is this is very much like okay, well, whatever. Um, but it reminded me of like the the kind of grumpiness. Um, this is a long time go- ago, but like, uh, can you tell the story about how your brother went to a furry convention by accident? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, my brother and his girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, they used to own a CrossFit gym. Uh, It was really successful and stuff in Connecticut, and they sold it recently. They're like semi-retired now, which is insane. I know, yeah. Um, So they had gone. There was a CrossFit like convention for like uh, trainers and stuff, and I think business owners in Detroit, and. so they had gone up there, and the same hotel, it must have been the same hotel that the was convention it? was. Yeah. At the same weekend or something, there was a furry convention. And, like, my brother's like me, and his wife is like me, where, like, I don't know what, fur- I didn't know what furries were. Right. You know, enough to be, like, Oh, that's what this is. At all. So yeah. they don't know what is happening. Like, they get there, and there's a mix of, like, CrossFit athletes <laughs> and people walking around in like full costume yeah and they just assumed that it was like something about mascots or like some <laughs> comic-con thing or something right. and man i'm i it's been a while since i i remember all the details that my brother was telling me about it but there was like i think there was like a sauna involved or something <laughs> like a hot tub mm-hmm. there's just like they just they locked themselves in the room at a certain point because they didn't. Once they figured out what it was, they were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> so they don't want to bump into them at the bar. Yeah. So I like, I had a like. Is the whole point of it is so that they have sex with the costumes on? Is yeah, that the that's the. Oh, I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, like the lo- the short version is yes, they have sex with costumes on. <laughs> I mean, to each, to each their own, but like no, right on, yeah. About it, like in in like in a hotel, like in hanging around the hotel, like. I do. I remember the first New York Comic Con I went to. Uh, you know, the, the cosplay was incredible, and I'm like, yeah. "Wow, like that's that's what I've always wanted to see." Like, you know, like that's that that character, but fucking real. How they managed to do that, and then I'd see what I found out was later furries, and I was like, "Wow, that is a incredibly intricate. Like, he looks like a cartoon character. Like, he's incredible looking." And my friend just gives me a nudge, and he's like, he's fucking in that costume. And I'm like, right on. Like, no, I mean, I'm sh- probably, I'd be, I mean, like, most of these cosplayers are probably fucking in their costumes. He's like, no, that's a costume that's, that's like he's wearing a sign that says, I have sex in this costume. He is what's known as a furry. And I'm like, oh. And then every time I see them, I'm like, oh. And I feel really bad because, like, I felt, because I've, I've seen children who are like, wow, like, who are, like, really impressed because they look like cartoon characters yeah like for real like they're incredible i think their mouths move like it's like they're disney animatronics and i'm like that's fucking intricate um but i see his children and i'm like wow a cartoon dog like walking around and they're like get away from him don't look at him <laughs> and i felt like a little kid just being like that's awesome and they're like it's not don't don't get excited and i'm like these traumatizing kids you can't their parents are like hustling them away from their favorite mascot exactly <laughs> i love the idea that your brother thought it was a mascot convention <laughs> Like, wow, there must be a lot of Timberwolves fans out here. Like, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, so here, here, speaking of sequiturs, what were some of your toughest characters to design? <laughs> uh, 
Um, we'll just move it on. Like just yeah, like, okay, sure. let, let's let's ground this episode a little bit, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll wrap it up. Right. Um. I guess it, it depends on like how complex they are. Like now, it's like uh, some of the WWE characters that we do are pretty complex. Um. And it makes it so WWE ones are kind of we do a show called Storytime yeah. for them that airs like on their on WWE Network, um, and on some episodes on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and those ones are can be tricky because for a couple reasons, like the stories take place at certain time periods, like when they're just referring to like something that happened in the eighties or nineties or whatever. Right. And the characters, some of them have like complex, you know, costumes or outfits, but it's also like, um, you know, this was from the undertaker from, you know, 96 or something like that. And his costume was very different from the one that he had, like, you know, five years ago or whatever. Yeah. So like, you, you know, making sure that you have the right uh, type of outfit and all the pieces on the outfit work for like an animator to actually use. Yeah. So those things can get pretty difficult. Um, it really comes down to like complexity, like how complex it is um, or like the style of it as well. The, the show uh, Explosion Jones that we did for El Rey, um, that if you were a, uh, a trucker um, that's at a truck stop at 4 a.m. on a Sunday morning, um, <laughs> You were the ones that were watching the show. <laughs> it's like the only time they air it now. Uh, I yeah. I remember being really excited. I was like, hey, cool. Like, that's awesome, man. Michael Madsen is a, a, a parodying, uh, you know, action movie schlock. Like, that's great. When do I catch it? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Uh, I know that's that the issue. Like, that was our first big official TV show that yeah. we made. And like, when they're like, when I tell people that, like, what channel is it on? El Rey. Do okay, I get that? And they're like, okay, that's... And then you have to get into who Robert Rodriguez is and stuff. <laughs> yep. Um, those ones were fun, but they were difficult because it was, like, vastly different than the other stuff that we do. A lot of the ones we do is, like, Simpsons-esque type characters. Right. Like, styles. Um, but these ones, like, I wanted, like, a G.I. Joe 80s animation type feel to them, generally. Um, so those ones were just, like, tricky to get the look right. But we had worked with a, um, a character artist for that whole show, Eric Minkin who's awesome that was so like i was nervous about like can we pull off this style because normally my default is like well i'll design these characters and my style is i'm i, I can do a, a very a, a different amount of styles but i kind of end up defaulting back to simpsons or cartoony more yeah um but then i asked eric if he could do some and like this first or second pass i was like yeah that's exactly what i, I want um but what made it tricky was like you know we want the different um angles so that we want like full turns. So it's like front facing, three quarter profile, back view, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In that same style, which is more complex than what we normally do. A lot of our stuff is like time and budget sensitive. So you just yeah. keep it simple. Um, but these ones, like I wanted some better movement and action and stuff. It's an action show. So that one was, was difficult just in pre-production, but we, we approached it very like methodically. Like, all right, well, you know, we have everything, everybody set up exactly the same way. Um, once we have like all the hands built out, we can reuse those hands for other characters, um, things like that. So like, luckily at that point we had learned a lot about the pre-production process so that we had a, a character as complex and different as Explosion Jones. And we were still able to like fit that into our production pipeline pretty easily. Um, but it just took that little bit of extra effort. And then once it got into animation, it was actually pretty simple from there. Yeah. Um, so that one was, 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 uh was pretty difficult and then actually now i'm thinking about it one of the harder ones for me 
was a short series that we did called Bad Election Robot Force for Machinima. Yes, which um, is now on your channel. You watched the entire yeah. series. <laughs> which uh, we're doing until somebody notices that it shouldn't be up there. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. I was like, oh, I don't think this... <laughs> yeah, so we'll just see. If somebody complains about it, we'll take it down. But, like, uh, it was pr it was kind of shitty for everybody involved when Machinima got shut down that yeah. the stuff got pulled and it's just being... Sit you know, it's just, it's just sitting there, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Is there so, other stuff besides barf that's, uh... <laughs> yeah, so, like, we have, um... Today, actually, we're posting... Chase Siddharth um, created Mega Man Dice at the end. That was another yeah. one that was on Machinima. <clears throat> he posted Season 1 on his channel last week, and we're actually posting Season 1 on our channel today. Nice. Um, and then we'll do Season 2 in a couple weeks. Uh, we did the full series for Morty Combat as well. Yeah. Machinima show. Um... So those ones, it was just like, let's just do it and we'll see what happens. Yeah, because yeah. it's just sitting fun. there. It's like, it's all this, you put in all this work and yeah. there are fans. Like, there are people who are like, I loved Mega Man's Eyes at the end. Like, I, I yeah. wanted to know what happens at the end. I, I missed the last <laughs> episode. I, I, myself, I missed it. Like, Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't remember. Oh, actually, I do remember. How it ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he does. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I felt I felt bad, too, because we get a lot of requests from people, like, can you guys air that stuff? And for a while, I was like, well, no, we can't because they took it down. But then when we started the new channel, um, we've been working with uh, Nick Mundy, a good friend of ours. Um, yeah. And he's been strategizing and running the show for us online. And um, uh, he was just like, yeah, let's just put it up. Right. See what happens. Um, yeah. Worst thing you can do is flag it, and then you just take it down. That's yeah. Stupid. But uh, so for the the characters for Battle Action Robot Force, they're robots, and like you know, robots are boxy the way you design them and stuff. Yep. But like the way if you design a robot's arm like in one way, it's a perspective. But it, the second you move it somewhere else, it's a different box. It's out of perspective, so you have to draw those different angles and stuff. Oh my god, yeah. So it took a bit of figuring out. That was early on too, where I wasn't quite as like uh, refined in designing and stuff uh, characters. So by the time we got to by, when I was doing that one, I was like, ah, shit. So I had to redraw a lot of stuff and like make it a little weird. Yeah. Um, so that one was difficult, but it, that was just, it just took a little bit of extra time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, each one has like its own little challenges and stuff, but sure. we kind of just follow our same pipeline and uh, you can you figure out a good system from there. Yeah. Um, and finally, just uh, before we go, I just wanted to ask one more question, which was, um, <clears throat> uh, what was the experience like uh, directing Macho Man Randy Savage in, earlier cartoons uh because macho man randy savage played a voice in one of your episodes of college university uh who's no longer with us and he seems like an insane person and shortly after that episode aired uh the macho man on coke video became a viral sensation and uh i would love to know what it was like to have because i as i understand it and this is just going back a ways you had to direct him over the phone you would like call him and be like okay so i really want you to like i would love to know the experience of talking to Macho Man, setting up the direct, like, hey, Macho Man, like, do you have to call him Macho Man? Like, what was that all yeah. about? I call, I'm, I called him Macho Man. I don't even know what his name is. <laughs> I um, think it's Randy. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that was very surreal. Um, when I was a kid in the 80s, I was a WWE fan, and Macho Man was my favorite wrestler because he's so fucking weird. Yes. And um, he didn't move like a human being. Like <laughs> nobody, move, nobody talks and moves like that. No. But apparently he does. So um, that was when we were doing college university, and that was our first like celebrity voice. Yeah. 
And uh, we had that opportunity through a friend of ours, Johnny Tidwell, who helped us out. He helped set up all that stuff. I forget how exactly he, I think, to make it even weirder, at the time, Macho Man had his rap album coming yes, out. Yes, you had to plug the album, and you couldn't have them make fun of it? Yeah, so, like, we didn't, we couldn't make fun of it, and we got, we had to play, like, a couple songs, and we were like, sure, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, we set up, so, again, I'm working at my regular job at the time. I called in, I either called in sick, or I lied that I had a doctor's appointment, so that I could go home and direct Randy Macho Man Savage on the phone. <laughs> and, um... I, um, so he's, he's at the recording booth and he was awesome. Like he was so fun. Like we got to, he, he's saying the dumbest stuff. Right. Yeah. And like, um, I had him do some alts, which is just like variations of the lines that we had written. Um, he had just been in the Spider-Man, the, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, yep. um, where he was bone saw. <laughs> so I had him say something about bone saw that I don't think we even used. Um, but <laughs> And like, so halfway through, like he's saying the lines and, you know, normally when you're recording something with someone, you have them say the lines three times. Um, they can say it various different ways. And then like you stop, you give notes and then you do it again, that kind of thing. Yeah. And he was so great at it. Like he was doing it. I mean, I, I had written it in his voice. So yeah. like, you know, the stuff I'm writing, I'm expecting him to say it in his voice. And he just, he did it exactly how I wanted it every time. I was like, I was like, Macho Man, you're, this is, this is awesome. You're doing so great. He goes, what do you expect? I'm a professional, kid. <laughs> and like, but he said it like lovingly, like, but anything he says sounds like aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I was just like dying laughing. And he was so, he was just like so nice. And um, it was such a surreal, there's so many like fun, surreal things that I've gotten to do uh, over the course of my career. But that one was like the first one. Where I was like, holy shit, like this is something that I made in my dorm room on my roommate's computer. Yeah. And like, you know, a few years later, for not for no plan, for nothing. It had like, there was no agenda outside no. of like, it's it's you're doing your regular show <laughs> yeah. and like your friend goes, Hey, we could probably get Macho Man Randy Savage in here. Yep. And you're like, Oh yeah, call him. <laughs> and <laughs> We have to play his, his horrible song. <laughs> <laughs> the, the joy about College University was there was there's zero explanation for him being there. But there doesn't need to be. Like right, it's exactly. totally unjustifiable. There's no point. Right. Zero no nothing at all. He's just friends with Parks. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> He's like twice the age of everybody. He's just hanging out in a dorm room. I love that idea. <laughs> He's just there. <laughs> And he's in his, like, he's in that era of his costume. Like, was there any stipulation where there's, like, he, he can't wear the old costume. He can't, he can't be Macho Man from the 80s. It has to be 2003 Macho Man Randy Savage. Like, there might have been. I don't remember there being too many demands, honestly, from his end. I think we just wanted it. I think we just, maybe there was. That would maybe make some more sense because he had to, you know, he should look like how he looks on his CD cover. <laughs> and he just had that, like, midnight onyx black beard yep. like dunked in like motor oil yeah um and then he had like the black bandana and it was all black and stuff but the uh in wwe we've been doing some macho man stories with the classic frills and super bright color macho man and stuff it's it's yeah. fun to do but that one i just remember him being like so so nice for like our my first like celebrity like encounter or like to be able to work with somebody yeah um, for him to be like so nice and to just deliver on that stuff and be so fun with it, I don't know. That was that was like I, I was really like 
heartbroken when he passed away. I like a celebrity death. I can sort of like I don't know that person, right? You know, I, I I'm sad for the family or whatever, and, and like I feel bad. But like for Macho Man, I was like, oh man, that really felt like you know heartbreaking yeah. to because uh, I knew like he was like a very nice person, right? Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, not to make it a downer. I just you know thought it was a funny <laughs> story, but all right. <laughs> sorry, no, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> right. I, I appreciate the respect. It's very nice. Um. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so uh, from there, listen, uh, if you haven't already been convinced, go to uh, Lowbrow's YouTube channel. It's in the description. Just click it and subscribe. Uh, I'll just put a link in there. Just, just click it and you'll be subscribed. It's it's the, it's the so great, and there's so much more to come. Uh, what can we expect from Lowbrow in the near future that like we can all look forward to checking out? Because like right now, like literally for the last like 10 years, there hasn't been a year where there hasn't been like a ton of shit you've made. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, what's what's next? Um, definitely, I mean, thanks for plugging our YouTube channel. Definitely subscribe that, um, we're posting, you know, basically three times a week. Um, actually even more, if you consider, we've been doing, uh, comics as well. Um, yeah. every day, Thursday and Sunday on our Instagram and we post it everywhere else, um, that I write. And, um, so we just go there for like fun videos. Like we have on Monday, like today we tried to do like older compilation stuff just from our library just to get out there again. Uh, Wednesdays, we'll do originals. We have um, shorts. We do, like, uh, last week we did one about Bullet Bill in that sort of dorkly pixel video game style. Um, we'll do a lot, we do a lot of stuff with Sonic for Hire characters. Um, the show Sonic for Hire is done uh, in that format, but, like, those characters we're using for other stuff. Um, and then Fridays, we do live streams. Thursdays, we might start doing, like, some video game live streams. We did one last week that was really fun. Um, so it's just, we're just having a lot of fun at the studio, just doing like originals and just having fun, just kind of like playing with, you know, drawing and just sort of improving with that way. Um, so just go and subscribe and you'll, you know, if you just like killing a few minutes or a half hour, just like having our dumb voices in the background and watching us draw silly stuff. Um, it's just a lot of fun. And um, that's what that's our plan for the future is just keep on making stuff. Nice. Well, solid plan. <laughs> it's worked out pretty well so far. Uh, but uh, thank you so much Mike for being here we'll see you guys next time with all new episode and of course uh, thank you very much for watching don't forget to like our video and subscribe to us if you want to but the most important the takeaway you're here the takeaway is Mike you take, you, we'll see you next time thanks everybody thanks <laughs>